What's up, everybody? Welcome to the California Women's Water Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Arrigo. This podcast is about gear, events, and inspiring women in surf kayaking, stand-up paddleboarding, river kayaking, and more. Today, I'm here with Melissa DeMarie, kayaker and co-founder of the California Women's Water Sports Collective. The names are not a coincidence. So uh, thanks for being with me today, Melissa. Hey, Jessica. It's great to be here. Cool. So you want to tell people how you started California Women's Water Sports Collective? I started Cali Collective as essentially a community building organization, a way for women to get together and connect and do some fun in the outdoors. I chose paddle sports because it is my passion. Um, I've been an avid whitewater paddler and have worked in the whitewater industry for many years as a guide, an instructor, photographer. What I am trying to create is a safe and supportive environment for women to not just learn with other women, but from other women. Last year at the Santa Cruz Paddle Fest, I was blown away by the number of women that Melissa's group brought to the competition to sign up and enter and have a great time. I don't think anyone at the competition had seen that many women in many years. And she and I got together and talked about why it was so rare to see so many women. And we decided we wanted to do a project together to try to get more women into water sports. Uh, you connected me with Teresa Rogerson, who is a Cali Collective instructor and who graciously agreed to let me interview her. Teresa is a wonderful example of a strong, passionate, driven woman. I love Teresa's teaching style. I felt that she's very honest. So Cali Collective had uh, surf kayak clinics last year before the 2016 Santa Cruz Paddle Fest. And I hear you're going to hold more this year. Is that right? Absolutely. We had a great response from women both before and especially after Santa Cruz Paddle Fest that really wanted to get into the sport but had really didn't have an understanding of how they could actually do it. It's very gear intensive. There's a lot going on. So I decided this year to add a few more surf kayaking clinics, both before Santa Cruz Paddle Fest and after as well. Oh, right on. We have a competition surf kayaking clinic on March 23rd, which is geared towards intermediate and advanced paddlers. And what we'll be doing there is sort of giving girls the ins and outs of competition and how to compete, what to look for, how to time their sets, things like that. Then on April 15th and 16th, we are holding a multi-level surf kayaking clinic in Marin County. That one will be geared for everyone from beginners to advanced paddlers. So the clinic that is going to be this year, 2017, on March 23rd in Santa Cruz at the same site where the competition is being held. Is that right? It's going to be condition dependent. So generally in the area, if people come from out of the area for Paddle Fest and they're planning on attending the Thursday night competitor barbecue and meeting, they can go to their clinic that morning and then go to the event in that evening. Yep, totally. I just signed up for Cowles Intermediate site for the Santa Cruz Paddle Fest and I'm totally stoked. Uh, in my interview, I you hear me talking to Tree about whether I might be ready for the A site this year and I wasn't sure and the things that Tree told me was were really inspiring about how someone who has a solid role and a general understanding of the ocean really can go for it if they want to. 
Registration is now live for this year's Santa Cruz Paddle Fest. So check out Santa Cruz Paddle Fest on Facebook and the World Wide Web. Check out Cali Collective. Uh, Melissa, would you like to give us the ways to find you on social media? You can find out about Cali Collective on our website at cwwcollective.com, on our Facebook page under California Women's Water Sport Collective, and on Instagram at cwwcollective. All right, Melissa, I look forward to seeing you at the March 23rd clinic and the event, if not sooner than that. Great, Jessa. I'm looking forward to seeing you too. Music this hour is Loud Pipe by Ratatat. And with that, my interview with Teresa Tree Rogerson. All right. Hello, Teresa. I'm so stoked to be able to talk to you because you're involved in basically all the things that I wanted to make a podcast about. You competed in this year's Santa Cruz Paddle Fest. You taught at a California Women's Water Sport Collective clinic before Mm -hmm. the Davenport competition and before the Santa Cruz competition. You also competed at Davenport this year, or rather last year. Mm -hmm. You're a lady in water sports. Can we start with how'd you get involved with the Santa Cruz Paddle Fest? How about that? The Santa Cruz Paddle Fest is actually responsible for me moving to California. I was in graduate school in Massachusetts. I was freezing cold. Spring break was coming up and somebody that I had, you know, that I had a crush on. So he was part of it too. And so I was just kind of like, huh, I should go to Santa Cruz for spring break. And one of the first images that popped up was an image of a kayaker on a wave, and it was the Santa Cruz Kayak Surf Festival. And I was like, what? I can do that. I'm a whitewater kayaker. Wow. Look, and it's almost when spring break is. I should go there. So I came out at that point to Santa Cruz and didn't actually see anything at all about the, the kayak surf competition, but I, it was enough to know that it happens. And I had a great time in Santa Cruz. I ended up moving out here after graduate school. I went all the way down the West Coast from the very tip of the country in Bellingham, Washington, even Alaska, where we took a sea kayaking trip. And I drove by myself all the way down the West Coast. And when I got to Santa Cruz, I stopped. I said, okay, I'm here, and i got to check out that kayak surf festival. So I did, but it was a few years later because this other land lover sport got me. I was doing that, but then I started missing the water because I had, you know, just come off of several years of raft guiding and rowing in college and and then whitewater kayaking. And I, I remember, oh my gosh, I had to get figure out the, the Santa Cruz kayak surf thing. So I, so I sniffed around and finally found it, signed up for it, and then had to figure out how I'm going to do it. You know, like, oh, I better get a boat. And that was similar to the story you told me about you, your first sub yeah. experience. You signed up for a sub race, but never having been on a sub before, which I love so much. Yeah, pretty much the same thing. And I did do one other contest before. It was the it was in Ventura, um, which is a great surf kayak contest. But that was just hilarious because I didn't know at all what I was doing. So I was just like, go straight to shore. I didn't understand the concept <laughs> of going down the line. I was in a wooden kayak that someone made. It looked like a, a like a shoe, like a, one of those clogs that you wear. 
and it was very pretty and you know well made but it was freaking wood and you know I was just kind of stuck in there in a strange way plenty of room in there I think that's why I liked it because I'm so tall it's hard to fit inside kayaks and did you know how to catch a wave at that point where to position yourself from all the river kayaking I had done I understood the mechanics of catching a wave but not as it pertains to the ocean because mm. as you know in a river the, the waves stay in the same place as the water moves along so you can kind of sit there and watch and move out and try to catch it and if you miss it you can come back and paddle upstream and, and, and paddle across and into the wave. It's easy now that I've done it so many times, but at the time it was difficult to know where to be because the, the pulse of each set is slightly different. Mm-hmm. And then I had the board surfers there who were not amenable to my presence at all. <laughs> like I was a total freak of nature. You got tapped um, by the California Women's Water Sport Collective to help teach the surf kayak clinic in November. Is that right? That's correct. They wanted me to come teach the SUP section, the stand-up paddling part. But I also had a lot of surf kayaking experience, so it was a good fit. So you've been involved in water sports going back to your rowing for a long time. So this is kind of like a natural progression for you. You mentioned to me earlier that you you would like to master all the different watercraft there are. So is this just part of your progression of getting on all the different types of things there are and learning them? Yeah, I think so. And as I said before, I'm, I don't know if it's the correct strategy. I mean, I'm having fun, and that's really what counts. I yeah. know that that is what counts. Um, but sometimes it's like, huh, I, I don't really get amazing at one sport, and then I move on to another, so it's like jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Last season, I totally went wild doing stand-up paddleboard races. Now I'm kind of back to the surf, and I want to get the kiteboarding thing. That's a little different, you know, standing on my feet and operating the kite. It takes finesse, a lot like paddling. So is that the one where the kite is above you on a on string? Yes. Not the one like I guess what I see locally here is like windsurfers where there's like a mast and a boom and a sail on a board. Right, that's windsurfing. What okay. you just described, and then kite surfing is the big kite up in the air, attached to you to a harness by line, and you use your one hand pretty much, or two, but you can do it with one hand to control the kite just with very subtle motions on the, the bar that you put your hand on that is attached to a waist harness or a, or a seat harness around you. So it's very much about finesse. Finesse, that's the word that I think definitely applies to a lot of these types of sports. When I was a little kid, my dad was teaching me off-road motorcycle riding, and that was his biggest word was just a finesse, finesse. I think that's a good word for, for women athletes. That's that's where we really can shine, I feel. It's because we come at a lot of physical, physical things without brute strength or without mm-hmm. as much brute strength. Movement and subtlety of motion mm-hmm. can, can do so much in the water sports, especially because we're dealing with currents and, and flow. So the more in the flow we are, we don't have to be big, strong people. I love that to teach uh, kayak rolling 
And I love that part of it. People would come in thinking, oh, I need to be strong for this. I need to be strong. And I would say, no, it's really not about strength at all. You know, if, as long as the boat fits you snugly and use your technique, you know, a tiny little child could do it. It's the angle, a tiny angle in your wrist or abdomen or something like that. So, yeah, that's what I really love. And, you know, I was talking to Melissa. You know, I was talking to her about just the convention of having separate women's and men's categories in competitions and some of the issues that that brings up. And I was like, gosh, you know, these sports are not about strength. So why is it even necessary to have different categories? And she said, oh, but Jessa, there still is, you know, the factor of strength. And she used the example of the river playboating freestyle Mm -hmm. competitions. These play boaters get in these tiny little carvy boats and sit in a hole and do flips and cartwheels and tricks and stuff like that, if people aren't familiar. She said, oh, Jessa, the, you know, the men will gather 2,400 points within the same time frame a woman might get the gather, like the winning, you know, women, 800 points for the, just the number of tricks they can throw. And she said, you know, it, that's just really a matter of, she called it the boy muscles, you know, they just have on average, more muscles. Well, yeah, it's true. Strength is very important because if if you didn't bring it up, I was going to add on to what I was just saying about finesse. The the strength is is totally important. And I would add that it's not just the big muscles or the boy muscles, but it's like the connective tissue strength, like little, little muscles, like postural muscles that keep us aligned right now I'm 41 mm-hmm. and I've been kind of hardcore not necessarily because I'm amazing but because I've gotten myself into situations that I had to get out of I'm 41 now and I'm I just had the experience of being flat on my back for the first time now I realize guess what I really need to beef up on my back muscles my core muscles start doing some gym work I've always been kind of strong, but now I'm realizing I need to to do what I want to do in life. I've got to add in some focused strength training. You know what's interesting is that the there were like five guys and me. Before the Santa Cruz Paddle Fest, we went to Manresa, and we were kind of hanging out talking as kayakers do. And I said, hey, guys, gather around. Let's do this thing called the Founder that's part of... Uh, an exercise group called foundation training. It's the kind of thing where you, your feet are like shoulder width apart and you stick your butt way out and ground into the ground with your big toes and then straighten your back and then slowly lift your arms, making sure that your shoulder blades go down your back and they don't shrug up into your ears. And these guys, these really good kayakers, no one could do it. So this is on like the sand. At the beach? We're just, we're standing on the side of the road on like a gravel parking lot, not even sand, which would add an element of balance. And this really young world champion kayaker couldn't do it. This other guy couldn't do it. And that's when we've got to, we've got to work our whole bodies and maintain flexibility or else we kind of crash and burn later. Do you think the guys can get away without the kind of balance just because of the brute strength? 
I don't know. I, I, it's, it was so funny to me to see this because, you know, they're, they're clearly really good kayakers, all of them. And I don't really know what to think of that. I think because they've learned certain movements and can do that, but I can't imagine that that could be sustainable for a long time, but I don't know. I mean, I was the one who had to, you know, lay out my back and do child's pose for five days to get better. Who am I to talk? But it was just interesting how I see the strong guys don't have the flexibility. Yeah, I wonder about that, too. I have a special man friend in Sacramento who's a really great kayaker, and he doesn't do much of anything else to, like, physically train for his kayaking, and it doesn't seem to be a problem for him. Mm-hmm. But I can tell with myself how much doing yoga and balance exercises and flexibility improves my boating. And when I was board surfing, how much yoga especially improves yep. my board surfing. It does. It totally does. Very interesting. So you competed in wave ski and women's high-performance kayaking at the Steamer Lane site, the A site, at the competition. Is that correct? Yes. And how did you feel about all that? Oh, I was so happy to be back. I haven't done it in since 2009. And my friend said, hey, why don't we outfit this boat for you and you can use it and enter HP which is high performance. So I did. So I added high performance onto my entry. And thank goodness I did because we had been really, then we had four women to have a complete heat. And then the wave ski was great. I was with the guys because there aren't women with wave skis around, around the Bay area that much that I know of. And it was really good to be back kayaking or surfing that spot because steamer lane is just amazing waves and it's territorial it's like world class it is so world class and we had it to ourselves yeah and i had just come off of a few days of having a really good time with my new wave ski so it was kind of like riding a bike yeah it was natural and the wave ski really trained me well for being in the kayak because it's a little more responsive so it kind of Got a little extra bit of training there. I felt great. I was so glad to be out there. I competed at Cowles one year, and I've been considering signing up for the A site out at Seamer Lane, and I always get nervous because you never know. They set the date for a competition, obviously, months ahead of time, and no kind of weather or sea condition forecasting can forecast out that far ahead. So you kind of never know what kind of wave conditions you're going to get on that day. And I think to myself, oh, what if it's giant the day of, and then I don't want to go out. But everyone says, you got steamer lane all to yourself. You're never going to have that. And some people just pay the entry fee just for the experience. Yep. Would you suggest it to a friend? Yeah, I would absolutely suggest it. And you know what I loved about this year watching? We got some really big waves, so that was awesome, nice and clean, of course, as always, for Steamer Lane. And yeah. I saw some epic wipeouts, both from men and women, and <laughs> some epic boat carnage, just boats ripped apart. I believe 
were they both men's boats that got crunched? Yeah, all the boats that got crunched were men's boats. Uh-huh. Um, and I just yeah. think, I thought to myself, well, gosh, like, <laughs> what do I need to be nervous or embarrassed about? Like, tons yeah. of people crash and burn. It's all in good fun. And I'll be in good company if I do. Right. Like I said, if you practice and you use best management practices out on the water, you know, have a good role, have a have a good handle on fear and understand the ocean. Like the waves, you know, they dissipate. Seeing the, the safety at the competition, the lifeguards on the jet ski and all the different safety personnel about did such an excellent job rescuing everybody, assisting, looking out. Yeah. I think that's also a big pro of being out in the competition. I asked Tree why she thinks there's so few women relative to men who sign up for these events. We ended up having a long discussion about the relative number of women and men at the events, some of the issues it causes for the event organization, and it turns out it's a really big complicated topic. It's something I'd like to look at in the future. But for now, Tree sums up her thoughts like this. If women as a, on the whole, or on, like as a greater group, if women are not really stoked to do something, then there's no sense in saying, you need to do this. But for those of us who do it and know how much fun it is, it's so tempting to just be like, come on, y'all. And, and women need to know that there is support. There's, there are folks to go with. And it's not necessarily easy here because it's like, what do you do? You go get some weird fiberglass surf kayak, mm. then what? No. Yeah. Kayak surfing, it's not as easy to just go out into the surf by yourself. Like, hey, hey, guys, how's, how's that surfboarding going? Yeah. Meow, can, you, can you give me some pointers? Because uh-huh. I'm on my butt. Yeah, do you have any other suggestions of, of resources for women? Well, my really good friend, Dustin Tester, started the best surf camp. It's, it's for girls 11 to 17 years old, and I've worked at several summers um, called Maui Surfer Girls. It is on Maui, but mm. that's not bad. So much fun. But that's the same thing where it's like women in a supportive or women and girls in a supportive environment to learn to surf. And that's where I went to learn how to board surf. Oh. And I was, a, I was a counselor and a van driver, but yet the whole takeaway I had was like, oh my gosh, I feel like such a camper because I was in this very cool, very supportive, fun, funny environment for, you know, these <laughs> weeks where it's just us and girls playing together. So I think there's a, there's a really good synergy and power when um, women and or girls play together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and women are competitive. It's not like we're not competitive. I mean, we can get pretty, pretty hair pulling pretty fast. And that's good. Kyle, gosh, Kyle Kilgar, who won the first place at the Cowles mm-hmm. Intermediate site, he said it was so hilarious. They were out there in the heat. And he was with Marcel. He was just joking around. You know, he's not really an aggro type person at all. And he's just joking around. Hey, Marcel, like, I'm going to get you. 
walked out, blah, blah, blah. And he said he wasn't sure if Marcel got the joke because he just kind of looked at him funny. And he thought, oh, no, did I, like, rub this guy the wrong way? And then, gosh, what was that woman's name? That woman who was in Melissa's clinic. Sophia Sotelo. Sophia, totally. He said she just, like, comes out there to the line and is like, hey, guys, you ready to get your asses kicked? <laughs> awesome. And that was totally awesome. Yeah. I love that spirit. What was the name again of the place of on Maui? Maui Surfer Girls. Maui Surfer Girls. Dot com. There's opportunities there to go and trade your work for the time, you know, oh. for the room and board. Hey, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. I love that you told me you were a stand-up comedian for a short time. Oh, my uh, gosh. I I love that so much, especially because I don't feel like a funny person, and I've really been trying to work humor more into my communication in my life. Do you think, are people born funny, or, like, what do you think about that? Oh, gosh, that's such a good question. You know, I think I learned it. Actually, I think I learned it. Mm. You know, it's more it's more timing than anything else. It's it's a it's a funny thing, pun intended. You basically take the audience along a story, and then then all of a sudden you surprise them somehow. Like you set them up to think that they that they where their mind goes straight uh-huh. to the, the the destination that you think they're going to, uh-huh. and then you change it up on them, and that is where you get the humor. But then there's also just comedic timing so that you end the sentence in a funny way very quickly or short or with a, a with a different word than they were expecting. Do you have any, like, uh, kayak jokes? No, not <laughs> even close. Actually, right now, I feel like I'm standing up in front of an audience with, that is staring back at me blankly, <gasps> and that is how I feel right now. And oh. That's called nerves. Which I, did, I haven't had that the whole time we've been talking, but trying to explain comedy all of a sudden sent me back into this I can't roll my kayak kind of feeling. It's like on stage with a big old light on you. Yeah. And the audience is like, huh? Or they're just looking at you. Blank faces. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, did you get stage fright? And is that different or similar to water sports nervousness? Oh my gosh, we could have a whole podcast right now on anxiety and fear. We could tie this into every aspect of life. Like one thing that is very interesting that I noticed coming back to water sports after the long hiatus away from water sports, I've been through a whole lot of life stuff in the last seven years that everything from my mom dying to you know, trusting different people that that stood me up to being hit in the head and robbed. I've had a lot of stuff happen and, and choices that I made that were just what just insane. And I in and I've experienced anxiety for the first time in my life. Anxiety, not like this rapid is scary anxiety, but kind of like I don't know, just anxiety, so, not even social, but just anxiety about life. If, am I going to make it or how am I going to 
make a living or I don't like my situation. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned through dealing with that and tempering it and meditating and breathing and coming back into my self and, and not letting it drag me down the road, coming back to that, what I've learned is that all the anxiety is same. Learning how to kind of conquer anxiety in real life, quote, end quote. Mm-hmm. I learned that, that the tools that I use there are the exact same tools that work in becoming a much better athlete, mm-hmm. especially in water sports where we, there could be fear involved or performance anxiety when you're competing you know the breathing exercises that I've or not even exercises just breathing just paying attention to air going all the way out and observing it and coming back in and slowing down my nervous system and my head going I used that out on the water the last few weeks Mm -hmm. and I learned that from hard knocks life, not mm-hmm. from paddling, really. I, I mean, I did learn it from paddling, but I really got a big dose of it from getting through hard stuff in life. I mean, I kind of thought of kayaking was this thing that I did, and, and the rest of life was this other thing that I did. And it's, it's really all connected, and they, they completely serve one another. I mean, I forgot the question you asked me. What, what, oh, what did, did any kind of comedy stage fright compare? Okay, so now that I've been through this part of life that I'm talking about, I, I know that I would do better at comedy just from that same kind of thing. You know, not, uh-huh. it's, you know, it's just connecting with myself and it's, it's about me. It's really not about the other people. It's about me and my, my own comfort in myself because you know, in comedy where you get comfortable and you don't really care, Mm -hmm. somehow the irony is that you do better because you're just, you're relaxed. Yeah, it's called the fuck it point, something like that. You don't give the people in the audience the power. Same thing on the river or on a big wave. It's like, yeah, you want to respect the ocean. You want to respect the river, but you don't give over your power. You, you, You say, okay, let's do this. You harness it and you relax, do what you know how to do. I have totally been realizing that my nervousness surfing, like I don't worry about a lot of things, but one thing I do think about is like you want to be in the sweet spot for catching the critical takeoff point. But like that's the spot where when the extra big wave or set comes in, that it's going to crunch you. And so I'm always like, I don't want to get crunched. So I get too nervous to go to the right spot. But what I've learned is, like, when I stay out on the shoulder and catch, like, stupid, shitty waves or shoulders <laughs> or just not right, that's when I get crunched the worst. And when I see something coming at me and go, oh, God, that's really steep and scary, but that's the right spot. And then I actually surf and don't get crunched, and it's better. <laughs> you know? Isn't that interesting? Like, kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. I think that 
it's so much fun to play and in in these water sports and I love paddling with the men as much as I love paddling with the women and I think it's important to have these groups like Melissa has especially for learning and for like lifelong friends I mean you just really women love to form those lifelong bonds and so I'm so stoked that at this point in my pedaling career or whatever, in my water sports career where it's been kind of long and I'm like 40 now. And at this point in it, I I'm getting even so much more from having the Maui surfer girls, like I talked about and the, the Cali collective, because it's on purpose saying, Hey, we're bringing women together. We're going to do this, be a part of it. And it's so much fun to have the stickers, wear the hoodies, get together and paddle. And every every little aspect of it just means a lot. I, I don't have like a golden egg of wisdom <laughs> on that necessarily, but it just I just really am enjoying everything about it. And just and it's not just about who's running the the tallest waterfall or who's doing the hardest core thing really about so much is about the community and our relationship with ourselves. Like when I talked about that moment that I kind of discovered like, Oh, just like relax and began to take control of my body in a productive and loving way. I mean, all of this stuff just makes me have a better life with myself and and having the women here too it's a very rich it's a very rich experience of living thank you so much for hanging in there with me you're welcome i i love that kind of thing i'm i'm a total ham i love it so you're welcome and thank you